Thanks for joining the Inspired Churches podcast. If this is your first time listening in, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church, visit www.inspiredchurches.com. Now, let's listen to the word from Pastor Philip Mwella. Matthew chapter 2, verse 18. And if you don't have your Bible, you can use your phone or we'll put it up there on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 2, verse 18 reads like this. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. I'm going to read that again. Matthew chapter 2, verse 18. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamenting. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. A couple of things that popped out to me as I was reading this scripture for the last couple of weeks and just kind of dwelling on it. Weeping, loud lamenting, refusing to be comforted. These are not your typical Christmas morning themes. In fact, I'm pretty sure that most of you came here this morning to celebrate. I'm pretty sure you didn't come to church this morning to celebrate the most depressing Christmas ever. But nonetheless, these were the circumstances regarding that first Christmas. We must be careful during the Christmas season, hear me out, not to confuse the sentimentality of our over-commercialized culture with the biblical reality of that Christmas morning. Because the truth is, all was not calm and all was not bright. In fact, the biblical account, if you read through it, was filled with danger. It was filled with terror and fear and trouble. It's most likely true that the parents of Jesus were impoverished. They didn't have a lot of money. In terms of earthly material, they did not have a lot. And if you think about it, they were homeless on Christmas. Not only were they homeless, but they were homeless and pregnant looking for a safe place to have this baby. And the trouble only seemed to get worse. The trouble only seems to worsen when we're told that the only suitable dwelling place in the entire city rejects them. And he relegated this pregnant couple to endure the conditions of labor in a makeshift shelter on the backside of a disregarded city. You understand that all was not calm and all was not bright that first Christmas. And if that wasn't difficult enough, if that wasn't troublesome enough, a pregnant couple with no place to go, homeless that night, ready to go into birth, having to be rejected by the only facility in town that could be suitable for them, and having to go to the backside of a facility in a makeshift shelter, if that wasn't enough, as the Christmas season progressed, things only got worse. Well, what do you mean by that? It got worse because there was a man by the name of King Herod, and King Herod was a jealous king. He was a dangerous king, and he was a king who had heard that there was a son that was to be born this night, and had heard that there was a prophecy to be fulfilled that a king was coming, and he was jealous about that because he was the king. He was the rightful king. He did not want anyone to come against him. He did not want any child, any son to threaten his throne, and so as many of you know, trouble turns to terror when this king 
um, initiates what we call a statewide uh, abortion mandate. What do you mean by that? It means that there was a plot to kill Jesus, and so what Herod did is he didn't know exactly who he was, didn't know how he was coming or when he was coming, but he sent out a decree throughout all the lands, and the decree was for every child, every son, two years old and younger to be killed. And that's our opening text, as all of the sons throughout the region were brutally slayed by the soldiers. Our text opens up with weeping, mourning, and Rachel. Rachel is Jacob's wife. Rachel is just significant for the children of Israel, the mother of Israel. Um, Rachel was lamenting. In other words, the mothers of the region were crying and refusing to be comforted because soldiers stormed their houses and killed their sons. That is Christmas. The eternal son of God, Jesus Christ, God, man, becoming a baby and laying his head in a feeding trough. The creator of the universe, having running for his life and enduring the threat of a man that he created. And as burdensome as all that might feel, let me remind you that this is what makes Christmas beautiful. As burdensome as this story might feel to you this morning, I'd like to remind you this is what makes Christmas beautiful. Hear me out. The fact that from the moment Jesus entered our world, he became living evidence that the hope of God exists in the midst of weeping, lamenting, terror, darkness, and fear. There are three simple characteristics concerning Christmas that I'd like to leave with you this morning. The first one is this, is that Christmas is unique. The second one is that Christmas has spiritual warfare. And finally, I want to leave you with Christmas courage. Christmas is unique. Unique. Make no mistake about it. No other religion has the message that we have as Christians. God the Son took upon himself human nature and a body. And contrary to human kings, this divine king rejected the opulence of worldly wealth and determined to display his kingship through humiliation. Becoming a man, the ruler of the universe subjected himself to pain, to hunger, to sorrow, to injustice, to suffering, and to death. You see, some religions confess Jesus, some religions confess God is not with us. In other words, they choose to believe in a God that distanced himself from humanity, relegating the very thought of a God who condescends himself into a human as blasphemy. Let me read that again. Some religions that are out there, I want you to know that our religion, Christian religion, Christmas is unique. Some religions out there confess God is not with us. Choosing to believe in a God that distanced himself from humanity. Relegating the very thought of a God who condescends himself into a human as blasphemy. While other religions choose to confess God is us. Believing in a God that is in all of us. Referring to that divine spark that we all have. That somehow makes everyone in this room divine. That you're one with nature and that God is in all of us. And that we are all 
part of the divine spirit. You see, some religions believe that God is too far away, while some religions make him too close. Ladies and gentlemen, if you and I are God, we have, we're in a lot of trouble. Look no farther than our politics. Some religions confess God is not with us, that he's far away, and for him to come down onto the earth would be blasphemy. Some religions confess that God is us and that we are all part of this divine spark. But I want you to know it's Christmas that declares Emmanuel, God with us. Christianity is the only faith that recognizes 2,000 years ago, God himself and the person of the Son, Jesus, came to be with us and undo all of the devastating effects of sin. Christmas is unique, but I want you to know that Christmas has spiritual warfare. Unseen warfare is very much a part of the Christmas story. From the very beginning, the book of Genesis, chapter 15, chapter 3, verse 15, tells us this. Foretells us, God prophesies this. I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is God speaking to the snake in Genesis after the snake had tempted mankind to fall. God tells the snake, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Now listen, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This was the very first gospel message preached, declaring the birth of a child and the reality of that child's destiny in the battle between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. In fact, the Old Testament story follows the battle to protect the messianic line from the full frontal assault of Satan. And here in our story, the weeping and lamenting of Rachel reflects the very present reality of warfare. Listen to the truth. Herod's fear of the ancient gospel leading to a mass murder in Bethlehem only serves as a reflection to the spiritual warfare that takes place against the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. Herod's fear of the ancient gospel led to a mass murder in Bethlehem. And that story only serves to reflect the spiritual battle that takes place against the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. From the very beginning, Satan and the kingdom of darkness has always wanted to destroy what Christ means. So I guess you could say Jesus was born a warrior baby whose destiny was to crush the head of the serpent and deliver his people through the triumph of his crucifixion, resurrection, and the consummation of his kingdom when he comes back again for his church. And finally, today I want to leave you with some Christmas courage. The birth of Christ, surrounded by what seemed like dire circumstances, is actually good news. I started off this morning's message by saying that I'm sure many of you in here did not come to hear the most depressing Christmas ever. I mean, when's the last time you sat at a Christmas service and the pastor opened up with lamenting and mourning? And babies dying. But that was the reality of Christmas. The birth of Christ, surrounded by what seemed like dire circumstances, is good news and great joy for all people. Because Jesus is the beginning of a new creation. Jesus is the fulfillment of an ancient promise. He is God with us. The one who will deliver his people from sin. His presence makes 
unbelieving kings dread. And poor paupers fearless. Angels, shepherds, magi, Jews, Gentiles, and Samaritans are all transformed by his presence to boldly speak his name and declare his presence. This is the courage of Christmas, an inspired hope made present by the incarnate Savior, who instead of choosing to come to us in a palace and a high horse, he came to us in a trough in troublesome and uncertain times. Let me say that again. This is the courage of Christmas, an inspired hope made present by the incarnate Savior, who instead of choosing to come to us in a palace and a high horse, he came to us in a trough, in troublesome and uncertain times. I was thinking about Christmas. I was thinking about a lot of people who don't like this time. For a lot of people, this time brings up a lot of negative feelings. There are many people that are hurting on Christmas. There are many of you in here today that are hurting on Christmas. The loss of a loved one during this time seems to magnify itself. There are so many that are without homes during this time, freezing. There are many of us, and even in here, who may find ourselves without the food and without everyone. It seems like every channel you watch, every commercial you watch, and every TV show you watch, everyone is smiling and happy, and there's forgiveness and reconciliation. But yet some of you in here today may be, may be in a situation where you don't even talk to your sister, to your brother, to your parents anymore. See, for many people, Christmas is not merry. But I want you to know something that's amazing about Jesus. His first Christmas was just like yours. And we serve a God who understands what it means like to come down in a situation of worry, fear, doubt, terror, depression. The beautiful thing about the God we serve is that he understands. He understands. What I want to leave with everyone here this morning, whether you're feeling bright about Christmas, whether maybe you're down on Christmas or you're somewhere in between, I want you to know that our Christmas is unique, that our Christmas was a Christmas full of spiritual warfare, but lastly, that there's courage in Christmas. And because he came and he died and he rose again, you and I have life. You and I have life. You can't put an X through what God do. They're trying to erase the real truth. When people say Merry Xmas, they're really denouncing the miracle in Genesis. God created man and woman in the beginning and seen that it was good. Eventually, man would fall to a lie hanging from some wood. But in all his goodness, he understood that he would eventually have to come down, break the curse of sin, only something he was capable of, no other man could. How glorious, the true definition of Emmanuel, God with us. What did it sound like? What did it look like as a shepherd in the field? Miraculous it must have been to have stood as a shepherd in anticipation. The tall grass with every bristle waved in the wind. How it must have felt to feel the presence of a holy host, I can only imagine. To hear scripture live, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people today. 
In the town of David, a Savior has been born, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. But let's not overlook the danger. All was not calm, and the only thing bright was the star that night, leading the three magi with bruised beat feet, wrapped in cloth. They knew every step they took was a step closer to God. And there he was, the Holy One, wrapped in human skin. What a sight it must have been, for there was no red carpet, no silk cloths or heated room, but Jesus in the flesh, a baby, the King of Kings, who would eventually conquer the tomb. And this, like flowers in full bloom, like receiving the greatest gift, your biggest dream coming true, this is the definition of good news. For a king was born who would make hungry, hateful Herod's dread, raise to life the dream of deliverance from the dead. All people, Jews, Samaritans, shepherds, and angels sing his praises, Christ the King. His name would forever reign. Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest heaven. On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So let's think twice before we put the X instead of Christ in Christmas, because doing so would be an injustice. Inspired Churches aims to be a church that the city loves. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Come back next week as Pastor Philip continues on the six-part series. For more information about how you can get involved or about our community, visit www.inspiredchurches.com.